Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mounted West Wire football podcast, MWR.com, where you can find all of our written stuff, football, basketball. And we are discussing Matt's um, bowl week. We have four games to recap. It's been a busy, tangentially related Christmas since we're going back in time to pre-Christmas to post-Christmas games. So, yeah, you have a good Christmas. You got to win for your Bulldogs for Christmas, obviously. Have a good time yeah. for the past couple of days. Yeah, didn't end up uh didn't end up traveling for the holiday. One of our cats uh, had something to, to deal with, but I'm sure this is a football podcast, so nobody necessarily needs to hear about that. Overall, though, a good holiday, cats on the mend, everybody's happy. All right, good to hear they're getting better. The cats getting better. So football, <laughs> that's what that's what people want to hear. I'm just saying, uh it's all it's all good. Pet man, no, pets are important. They don't want your pet to get sick. That's the worst. Oh, yeah. Besides you getting sick, your pets like they can't talk to you. It's hard to communicate what what the issue is going on until they snap at you when you touch a certain area. Oh, it's a whatever. I'm not sure what the illness is, but I had a dog that had to have like a biopsy. It's like, oh, what is this growth on their neck? And they don't know until yeah. you poke it and they kind of freak out. So it's a, it's not a fun thing to have to deal with. So hopefully they're they're getting better. Unlike most of the Mountain West teams oh. we'll be talking about today, we, it's uh, it's pretty easy oh. to figure out what ailed them. 
We're starting to potato. Like, I have, I like have a very transition? important. No, that, that works. Professional. <laughs> oh, excellent. I have a quick question. Eastern Michigan won 41 to 27 in the San Jose versus San Jose State in the potato bowl. We know if the potatoes are hot that got poured on Chris Crichton or they're like cold, soggy potatoes. Do we know? Do we have official word on that from, from Spuddy Buddy? I don't know. I know that people were asking about that. But and I also remember seeing video of like all the of all the the fries coming out in like one big clump and then breaking apart. Ouch! Once it hit, I mean, no, I mean it can't be that heavy. It's a, it's like fries are not that heavy. Well, I mean, like if it's a block of fries, it's a little bit of Maybe. up there. I'm just saying it'd be it's they get a fry down your back. It's like what's this? I can't reach. Hey, give me the poker stick. I gotta rip the fry out. But I so first of all, I hope they're not fresh out of the oven because that would be terrible. Like crisp hot fries, but if we're sitting around in cold, that would also be awkward. It's like who stored blocks on my head? Essentially, <laughs> it's weird. But the game, so this game was interesting because San Jose State started off doing quite well. I think the big turn of the game was the well. First off, the blocked extra point for a two point return that got run run back was. You never see that very often, but then. The four, can we start at the fourth down play where the San Jose State tried the running play that got stuffed like at the five yard line? Should we start mm-hmm. there for where the game kind of turned backwards for them? There's well, also okay. interceptions. So- There's a couple things. I think it started there because it was 13 to nine. And then they they've turnover on downs inside, but the actual, I guess, where was that? The, uh, or I guess the one yard line. They got the loss of whatever, loss of a couple yards to push it back. That turned into turnover, touchdown, interception, touchdown, interception, touchdown. I'm going to say that fourth and two call, fourth and goal call at the one. First off, why aren't you sneaking in that? Why don't you just go up the middle? What's the deal there? I mean, yeah, I know that that was definitely like a flashpoint for this game, but that was really, I mean, that was not the only missed opportunity that the Spartans had in that first quarter. You you recall that that they, you know, got a fumble, in Eastern Michigan's territory even earlier than that, coming off of a three-play 59-yard touchdown to open the scoring. And, you know, they get they, they aren't able to move the ball off of that. And then they also missed a field goal, too. You're being too kind. They went backwards. They didn't move the ball forward. <laughs> yeah. But I do think, you know, those, those issues, first the missed field goal, then the blocked extra point, and then, of course, you know, the, the three consecutive turnovers – all of those things had a way of adding up, but it was really kind of a letdown because they got off such a fast start on both sides of the ball. I think what was more shocking than the offense, you know, giving it away in in a way that they really hadn't all year long. I know that they kept talking about on the pro, on the pod on the excuse me on the broadcast how few how few giveaways the Spartans had had. What was more more surprising to me was how easily Eastern Michigan was able to move the ball against this Spartans defense, which we hadn't seen a lot this year. Especially in the first half. Like the second half, it kind of shored up a little bit, but it's too little too late because the offense, because the second half, they forced two, three and outs. And then there was that field goal they got, but the, and they were holding Eastern Michigan, only scored 10 second half points, or excuse me, uh, 11 second half points. <laughs> So the defense showed up at the, at the second half, but first half, it's like, also, it's going to be demoralizing you. Defense 10 for 96. Here's the thing where I think it kind of plays out it's a little bit where defense didn't show up in the first half. So you get the turnover on downs. They go to the fourth and goal at the one. 
like I mentioned, Eastern goes night freaking not 19, sorry, 13 plays, 96 yards, a lengthy six minute drive. Air Force turns the ball or not, I'm thinking Air Force because they run the ball because the ball plays the long plays. I'm thinking of the uh, academies mm-hmm. you typically have this big drive. Sorry, and a highlight for Air Force to play next to me here on my website. I'm looking at, but then they go through basically three and out, three and interception. Defense has to go back on the field again, so there's not much of a break because that drive, air quotes, you can't see drive 43 seconds. Mm-hmm. Defense is back out there, four plays, touchdown. They're gassed. Okay. Defense, offense squad again, three plays, one minute, 21. So defense was gassed after that long drive, and the offense did them no favor. So it's not all to say it's on the defense's fault at all. It, they scored against you, but your offense gave them no favors. After that big drive, they were just, okay, you're going out there, and literally you get a two-minute break, go out there and play again for a team that just ran it down and passed it on your throat for 96 yards on a very lengthy, time-consuming, tiring drive in freezing cold temperatures. I mean, what was really most surprising is how often they got hit hard by like really big plays, which was another thing that we didn't really see a lot in, you know, in in conference play in particular. You know, Eastern Michigan had eight passing plays that totaled 224 yards, including the, you know, the 28-yard touchdown to to Darius Lassiter. Mm -hmm. Taylor Powell was on his game. And it's it's very clear that he outplayed Siobhan Cordero in this one. You know, he Powell was 18 of 30, 298 yards, two touchdowns, the one interception. But you know, he was able to spread the ball around effectively. You know, he got help from the from the running back duo that they have back there, Evans and Jackson. Those two guys combined for about 130 yards and three touchdowns. So I mean, it, yeah, the defense did get pushed by the offense's inefficiency. But at the same time, like you have to give credit to what Eastern Michigan was able to do. Like they had the pieces in place to be able to take advantage of that. Because we're good. Yeah, no, totally. I'm just saying the defense just was, was at a disadvantage in Eastern Michigan. Like, okay, you're out there for, you get a two minute break. Okay. We'll go out there and do it again. And like Cordero had a lot of yardage. But it took him 44 passes to get to 26 attempts, two picks. He re- he had a like numbers wise, he had 400 total yards and four touchdowns. But that clearly was not enough for what was going on earlier from his miscues because both interceptions led to touchdowns, turnover and downs led to touchdowns. Seeing as they see had too many penalties, they were slightly better on third down. They weren't good on fourth down. They're what one of three. Kyrie mm-hmm. Robinson was okay, 14 50, 56, but. It was just that second quarter that did the men. Like, if you kind of, not that you remove it, but if you just kind of, when there was typical drive situations where there wasn't like a quick turnaround, which it doesn't matter the game played, how it played out. But like the second half, defense figured things out. The offense never did. And well, I mean, you're offense, not wrong. Like, it, you know, it's in simplified the first quarter, it's the in the first quarter, San Jose State outgained Eastern Michigan by over two to one in terms of total yardage. And then in they the second had, quarter, they in had, the like, quarter, had, as you mentioned, they basically flipped that ratio. Yeah, they could have been up 10. Let's say they, let's be nice and say they kicked a field goal at that point. They would have been up 19 to nine. If we're being generous, fourth and one, they kicked a field goal. They scored because t- if they made a field goal before that first field goal, that was 46. That's long. So let's just say, even if they just scored the touchdown, they're up 20 to nine after that fourth and goal play at the one. Had they scored mm-hmm. any points on either of those drives, the missed field goal or the fourth and one, fourth and goal at the one, who knows if it would be different, but 
it wouldn't have given Eastern Michigan a moment like the energy boost of stopping a team on, on the one yard line and then go down to score. It may not have made a difference. Maybe it's 30 to 41 or something because they kick a field goal at some point on that or the even touchdown. But that could have made a difference where Eastern Michigan wasn't able to make a big play and then make their own plays. And so there's the game, they were in the first quarter. I'm like, well, this game, they're San Jose State's doing their thing. And then whatever Eastern Michigan did second half, or excuse me, second quarter, they figured things out after that on two interceptions. Well, I mean, they just, they, the Eagles made plays when it counted. Yeah. And then not only in terms of like, you know, total yardage, but just in, in terms of like money downs. Like you you mentioned at the onset, you know, San Jose State getting stuffed at, at on fourth and goal inside the five-yard line. Well, that also sort of overlooks the fact that Eastern Michigan also had two fourth down conversions in that second quarter to extend drives too. You know, yeah. they gave the ball to Samson Evans twice. He got five yards both times, moved the chains. Second time was the, the touchdown to, to uh, Lassiter that gave them a 30 to 13 lead. And so, you know, you took, you know, Big plays all around, I think, both for both mm-hmm. sides. Obviously, you know, the turnovers and, and things like that gathered all, uh, a large part of the attention. But Eastern Michigan just had, did a better job of doing the little things, too. Yeah, and then, like, back to defense, Spartans, Kate Hall and Fahoko only had eight total tackles combined and half of TFL. Yeah. The defense didn't show up very well. Like, Kyle Harmon did okay. Like, Jordan Pollard was the best defender, 11 and a half of TFL. They had five TFLs, three sacks, but it's all it doesn't matter where they come from, but it wasn't typically their best players outside Kyle Harmon getting the sack. Like the mm-hmm. typical names we hear from. Like those guys, they've mentioned during the broadcast, Mountain West defensive player of the year. Villamifoco is not doing things. What's going on? We know he's kind of banged up from the um end of the season. But they just weren't the big the players who they relied on defensively were not playmakers in this game. For the most part. You're right. And yeah, they go seven and five, 41 27 loss. Running game actually did better, but Kyrie Robertson still wasn't ideal because if he was good, they would have scored on fourth and one at the goal line. Like, I just don't get that toss pass. I'm like, I hate those places. Go in your center and get your 12. Like, it's one yard. That's 36 inches, man. That's all it is. That's not very far. Why can't they just go, go in your center and just dive it <laughs> with the, the QB? Or like, I, I hate it. Like, when Washington State do it, when Mike Leach, when he'd go, or any t- spread team, let's go shotgun, fourth and inches. I'm like, you're starting three yards behind the last scrimmage. You touch the, reach the ball over the goal, over the, extend the arm with the ball. You get a first down. Okay, I, well, see, here, here's the thing. And I can't remember I if we brought that. this up during the, I can't remember if we brought this up during the preview podcast or not. But to, as a potential answer to that question, San Jose State did come into this game ranked 129th in power success rate on offense which meant that they were only converting yeah. in those situations on third or fourth downs, you know, less than half the time. Yeah, because you're in shotgun probably. <laughs> so so I think, you know, to your point, to say, well, why didn't they just, like, line up and, and, and try and go for it or, and just pound the rock between the tackles, it seems to me like that they, they understood that that might not have been a strength of theirs. I get that, but I don't know. I just still feel you should – or something we're, it, that was just something we're pointing out. You no, know, it is. Yeah, it's like I'm not. We're not the coach, whatever. Play action or do a rollout. Like they put in Nick Nash. He played a little bit. Do something with him in there if you want to mix things up. Because he was in a wide receiver, caught four for fifty-one. For as far as I can recall, I I can look his number real quick, but he hasn't done much all year because he's essentially a wide receiver now. But 
why not stick him and do something? I don't know. It's, but Cordero can move as well. It's just, I don't know. I'm just thinking of options and other things they could have done that was differently different in this game to have the outcome change. Mm-hmm. I do think it's that one game. Yeah, Nick, okay, so did you know he's only played in two games earlier, Nick Nash? That's it. Hmm. It's, assuming this game log's correct, and it only half it doesn't even include his it's funny, it doesn't even include his receiving numbers where he had four for 51 in this game because it still lists him as a quarterback. So he only played in the San Diego State game and this game here. So that's interesting. Because I'm like, I've heard his name all year for what's going on, but I don't know. It's it's disappointing because we know they're good. And so as he's from Michigan going with Crichton could do nine wins on the year for one of their best seasons ever. But again, the running game was porous. They had bad, not bad luck, but two bad drives that led to points. Like 21 points off turnovers is the difference in this game. Yeah. And also, how many good Elijah Cooks catches everything that comes his way? He's freaking amazing. Like yes, he is. we know we know that, but also Isaiah Hamilton outshined everybody catching the ball just about with his 137 yards. But like, does Elijah Cooks have one more year to come? Is he coming back next year? I think this was his last year of eligibility. And then on top of that, you mentioned Isaiah Hamilton. He's now in the transfer portal too. Oh, I didn't see that. Oof. <laughs> oh man, quit portaling. Whatever you can do what you want. It's just kind of a, yes, a minor annoyance. <laughs> It's you know, it's like, oh, please stay. But if you go, okay, I get it. All right, next game. Let's do it. Air Force 30, Baylor 15. Did Baylor seem like they wanted to play in this cold weather? Did they they not. It was under 10 degrees, I want to say. It was 12 Uh, degrees, 13 degrees at kickoff, I believe, which was just shy of a record. For what the game record or just what type of record? Just the I believe it was like the all time bowl record. There was like two bowl oh. games, <laughs> one from like the fifties and one from the eighties that were twelve degrees at kickoff. Okay, I hear you. So this match, I mean, up... honestly, hold on, Can, before before we launch into no, it, I just I felt like yeah. there's like one particular thing that that really shapes up how this game went for for both sides, honestly. Um, because you mentioned it was 30 to 15 and honestly, it never really felt that close. Nope. Um, did you, have you happened to look at the play-by-play for the fourth quarter in particular? Um, I can look closely now. What's going on there? Let me pull it up here as you. Okay. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't actually have to look that closely because of all the plays the air force ran in the fourth quarter, Brad Roberts did not touch the ball exactly one time. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. 
This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Is John Eldridge right? He was taking the taking the. No, ball. no, no. His Zeke Daniels had like oh, one, oh, oh, one two yard oh, no. carry. Oh, sorry. Oh, I thought you said, I'm like, wait, I pulled it open. Like, wait a second. No, you said he took all but one. Sorry, I misread that. I'm like, all but one. Yeah. Sure. Brad Rodriguez, gain like, of I, seven, gain of 11, gain of three. Wow. Offsides penalty on Baylor, gain of three, one yard touchdown. Uh, Zeke Daniels, next drive, two yard runs. Gain of, gain of four, <laughs> three, four, five. Four. Yeah, like he literally touched the wow. ball every single time. Air Force, like it was, it was basically him, who you know, whoever was playing center. I think it was uh, Thor Pagley along. Daniels yeah. taking the handoff. You know, Matthew Daypour, the kicker, booting the extra points. That was it. And, and Baylor wanted nothing to do with it. Like Brad Roberts, do what you want to do. No, I. Sorry, I'm like I know Brad Roberts got a lot of the carries. I know John Eldridge played a lot. I did not. I watched again. Like okay, he got, he got all of the carries down the stretch. That, that is, that's where you end up with a stat line that's 37, 37 carries, one hundred and sixteen yards, and two touchdowns. Pretty good. We're pretty never good. ever ever going to see a running back performance like that ever again. I don't think. You don't think the fourth quarter where he touches every 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 ball essentially. I mean, I'm just talking about like Roberts's career as a whole because you know we we talked about it at, at length at different points throughout the season. You know, the Falcons' offense doesn't all doesn't often feature the fullback as prolifically as has featured that that position over the last couple years in particular, where you can do things like give the ball to one guy 37 times, and 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 then it actually works. On top of that, yeah, one of the last time, well. That's not even that's thinking last time because we discussed a couple weeks ago about running the ball with Jeremy McNichols at Boise State. That was more mm-hmm. of a fourth quarter thing. That one that Tyler where he's like, okay, your turn. You get you get every carry essentially. But mm-hmm. overall, like for a career for a game, like that was I'm trying to see if he led the nation yards per attempt. Let's see, yards per game. He actually did not. So Minnesota running back, Mohammed Ibrahim had averaged 27 points. Yeah, twenty seven point six four yards per or twenty seven point six four attempts per game, hundred forty four hundred forty five yards. You had Chase Brown of Illinois, also very good, twenty seven point three three, and then you have Roberts twenty six five four. Three, he, but as for total carries, it is Roberts with three forty five. Chase Brown yeah. twenty eight. Ibrahim only played missed a game, so he's up three hundred four. Yeah, I mean, he was also chasing D. Dallas's, uh, I believe, his career record, if I'm not mistaken, for rushing yards. So they were, they were, he was putting the team on his back down the stretch. But honestly, this was a a very strong all around showing for a lot of players on the Falcons on both sides of the ball. You know, Zeke Daniels had an effective, you know, effective day, you know, 15 carries on the ground, 81 yards, including a touchdown. Four seven through the air for 103 yards and a score. It was a Eldridge nice send off. One him. big play too. Yeah, the big 34 yard play. Eldridge had running the ball, but like, first half was kind of close. But even then, it didn't seem all that close because Air Force first three drives were punts, or excuse me, Baylor missed a field goal. They got the touchdown at the end of the half after Air Force 
was going forward on what fourth and one at the 48 where they got a rare stop for them, a short yardage stop. And that's about it. Second half, it's like Air Force, like, okay, we got this. Yeah, they I scored mean, Blake Shapen, the Baylor quarterback, like he had, he had a couple of nice throws in the first half. He was, you know, if you break it down in terms of like before halftime and after halftime, he was seven of 12 in the first half. And then if my math is correct, he was just four of four of 11 in the second half. Yeah. And granted he did have, you know, some longer plays in the second half, but by the time they got those plays, it hardly mattered because Air Force had already basically slammed the door on them. And they only like, had he did two, not they, play well. And a lot of no, that he has to do with the fact that... pressured too much? I mean, he was here and there. Like, you know, they, they, the, the Falcons did manage a couple sacks. Peyton Zedroik had one. Vince Sanford yeah. had a monster hit on him at one point. Oh, yeah. But, it was... but yeah, like, Shapin did not have a very good game. Like, he was just misfiring all over the place. Yeah, it was. It's cold. It's it was old. Well, it was windy like too, so that didn't that didn't necessarily bode well for for what Baylor wants to do. Like, you know, they aren't. I mean, they they liked to run the ball, which you know I think it's worth they noting that they more or less shut down the running back duo of, of Richard Reese and uh, and uh, uh, Craig Williams. You know, those two guys combined for thirty five yards on fifteen carries. Like even in terms of like you know TFLs, like the you know, the Falcons didn't necessarily rack up that many havoc type plays. Only yeah. four TFLs as a unit, but they were dominant up front. Like they they exactly. made stops. They put Baylor into situations that they didn't want to be in. Their average third down Baylor's was was from nearly seven and a half yards, and it's probably not a coincidence that they were over three on third and long, and maybe more importantly, also over three on third and short. Like so, it was a, it was a very strong performance all the way around by the Air Force defense, in particular. Yeah, running game longest running plays only ten yards by Craig Williams. Yeah, I mean they Take, they were presented with a favorable hand in, but you know in terms of like the elements and things like that. But it's man. one thing to be handed that sort of favorable situation, and it's another thing to capitalize on it. Yeah, they did great. There are only four TFLs to the Baylor defense. It's like overall, like you're right, like Brad Roberts second fourth quarter. Running game was balanced, 116, 81, 65 with mm-hmm. Roberts, Daniels, Eldridge. They had a deep pass there, Amari Terry, 68 yarder. So they went over the top a couple of times for 103 yards exactly. for um, Ezekiel Daniels. And yeah, Baylor just didn't, they didn't play well, and Air Force made them not play well. It's two, two things that are both the same, I think. Yes. Because Air Force, did, outside of Eldridge, also the Air Force defense is like, what do we see all the time playing option teams? Like, don't let them get those big plays. There was only one really big explosive running play, the Eldridge 34 yarder. Besides that, yeah, Roberts had an 11 yarder, but he was going four yards at a time. You know what I mean? He averaged, but just about four yards a carry, 30, or just not even that many, what, whatever, 37 into 160. They ended up with seven, seven chunk plays, which they, you know, according to like statbroadcast.com, it's 10 or 10 or more yards. Okay. Yeah, so they had enough. seven such runs totaling 113 yards. So they had just enough yeah. in, and, and it, it was in not necessarily like short yardage situations either. Like, you know, Daniels in the first quarter had a, had a 10 yard run on a third and three, yeah. for instance. But that, the, yeah. the Eldridge, the third run that you mentioned came on first 10 yeah. near midfield. Um, they were, they were just, you know, they're just because Roberts average three point, I got to my math, 3.14 yards per carry. So yeah. that's not great. 
but he just wore everybody down. Just but the then again, ram, yeah. But then again, you get 3.14 yards per carry. That's not quite a first down throwing the ball every time, but it kind of could be depends on the spot, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's bare. That means you're getting fourth and inches if you do every time. But it was, it was just a dominant performance. Yeah, they didn't score a ton of points, but Baylor, even if, again, like you mentioned, it never seemed it was that close. The score was close. Like when Baylor scored it in the half, like, okay, maybe we got a game here. But when Air Force marches down on only five plays to go up 16 to seven, like, okay, this is over. And that included that 68 yard that took the ball down to the two yard line where Hizzy Daniels ran it in one play later. Mm-hmm. So this was a, just a dominant performance all it was yeah i mean this is this was the kind of performance that made me want like again this this Air Force three. team was 15 points away from being unbeaten yeah they got they got college football a little bit this year but you know the, and i put it out there on twitter and, and i think it you know especially from the falcons fan base got a lot of response you know they're one of a handful of teams that have three 10 win seasons in the last four years are they going to be? You know, you're talking. You're talking about. You're talking about hanging out with the likes of like Alabama and Georgia, Utah, maybe Clemson and, and other teams like that. Crazy. But um, no, answer quite, real quick. Do you think they'll be ranked when the final poll comes out at ten and three? They're going to actually rank a Air Force team. That's a good question. I can see where like a handful of 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 of, uh, of writers should vote for them. I don't. I mean, I don't know if I'm totally sold. But I mean, if if I had a vote, I probably would. I'd probably throw in the, like the number twenty five spot at least. Yeah, because when you look at the Mountain West, because who else has ten wins? I'm trying to see uh, Fresno. Fresno State does, and Boise That's State right. does. And Boise got to ten. Okay. We'll see how it goes. It depends. Like, we'll get to it because I don't know. We'll say I was kind of curious, thinking where they might be. But uh, we can get to that later. Also, we need to have support. Some bad news. Is he Daniels hitting the portal? Yeah, I think he's doing the same thing that uh, Isaiah Sanders did several years ago. When he went to Stanford and did nothing? <laughs> well, I mean, he, he wasn't he like a Warful Award finalist the following year? I don't know. What's Warful Award mean? I don't know. Am I uh, the Community Service Award. Okay, sorry. On the Okay, I apologize. On the field, he did nothing. Yeah, I think I he was. Know. Well, he I think he was the backup, and he saw some time. Yeah. But I would, I think that's more a lot because I think Daniels is. I'm pretty sure he's graduating. I think he was a senior. Yeah, how so could you? I, I thought you had, couldn't do that at the academy. I thought you had to, because I remember the standard situation. I know if you transfer before sophomore, you're you can just do whatever you want. But I, I'm not sure. I know there's a new law, Congress, or something to, to be able to defer. Like there's the Army defensive end is probably gonna be drafted pretty high. Like they can defer their service as a captain or whatever they branch of military they represent to figure out well i mean if, if it's if it's like daniel or rather if it's like sanders it's because he's a graduate transfer okay so like he will have graduated you know from the academy and then yeah, you know, wanted sense. to use one more year of eligibility to do what though like is he going to be an actual dropback quarterback like what's his plan just play more football yeah, something like that. I'm just trying to figure things out, man. I don't know. I'm just trying to wonder what his plan is. Going to Georgia Southern, Clay Helton? Is he going to mm-hmm. not go to Navy Army? Definitely not doing that for sure. You can't come in. No. <laughs> so I'm trying to think what is – it's probably just play college football. That's probably all it is, and that's good for him. Yeah, well, okay, so, up, so Brent Brigham actually put together uh, an article about this from the, uh, from the Colorado Springs Gazette. 
So for for players like Daniels, you know, there's basically like, um, you know, there's the the turn back on one hand. There's the graduate school, on the other hand, which he would have to get permission from the academy to do. And so that that is where Isaiah Sanders ended up at Stanford. And then you may have mentioned you may remember more recently, Charlie Scott, who was a former Falcons punter, also um, used graduate school to play at Alabama in 2020. So like it's it's rare, but it is not it's not unheard of, I guess I would say. He's just delaying his he's still gonna do the same service he did with the academy once he graduates. Yeah, I guess it's the permission thing that's the most that's the sticky point there. Yeah, and it is important to note, and I'll, and I'm just quote Bergman here: uh, entering the transfer portal would allow Daniels to explore possibilities of, you know, going, um, you know, graduate school things like that, but would not jeopardize his ability to play again at Air Force if an avenue were to present itself. So he might, he could come back. There is, a, there might be a path there, but if this is the last time we've seen him, it's been a pretty good run. Over the last so couple what, years. Hold on. What let me pull up sports reference real quick because I didn't look that deep. I didn't realize he could come back. So is he so so probably I'm betting what it is before even looking at it. He has his degree, which is weird because I don't know, you do a million credits at Air Force because you do 18 credits a semester, which is six more per semester than and to be eligible for NCA, which is 12. Most mm-hmm. college students take 15 in four years. So technically he could still graduate early, depending on what his degree is in. Earlier than four years, I should say, because a lot of people, there are obviously a lot of smarty pants there at the academy. There's yeah. rocket scientists, like legit biochemists, stuff like that. We saw the little vignettes they do during games when they, they want to showcase these these guys who are really smart. So he had, yes, he has only played three years because it lists 2020 as a sophomore year. So I'm not entirely sure. There's nothing in 2019 from him on Sports Reference. So we'll keep you updated. That's what we do, right? That's right. All right. What's the next game we got here, Matt? Uh, that would be your easy post Hawaii Bowl, Middle Tennessee 25, San Diego State 23. Are you of the mind, Matt? Because I'm part of a Facebook group on San Diego State. Somehow I got in there. I look at it occasionally. There's an enormous number of people that want Brady Hoke literally fired every five seconds. Do you fall into that camp? Yeah, that's every five this seems more okay. I don't like at every fan base, but the, they still he does a terrible job. The Pac 12 won't come calling, all this stuff. We need better home games. Like, I even saw post today speak with your wallet, don't renew your season tickets to Snapdragon because this team underachieves drastically. Do they not realize last year how much of an outlier last year was in a lot of ways? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, that was always going to be really hard to replicate. And the thing about this game in particular is it really, in my mind, sort of encapsulated exactly how this season went for the Aztecs and all. Because, you know, you saw the flashes of of them moving the ball, you know, pretty easily, I would say. You know, they outgained Middle Tennessee nearly two to one, you know, on a per play basis, as well as in terms of total offense. You know, four point nine to two point three yards per play. You know, the defense played awesome. You know, seven sacks, twelve TFLs. Kashawn Banks was a terror. Jonah Tavaya was a terror. Actually, both of the Tavaya brothers, Jonah and and Justice, were were uh, 
you know, in the backfield, you know, Jonah had a sack and a half. Justice had one. Sean Banks had two. Michael Shawcroft in his last game ever had a sack and let the team in eight tackles. Like the defense did its part. Yeah, there were people talking about it in the middle of the game where Middle Tennessee was winning. I think it was at like halftime or, or early in the third quarter where they they finished the game with minus 66 rushing yards. And minus 91 in Cardiff. That is such a wild stat. Like they they were on Chase Cunningham a lot in this game. 12 TFLs, like you mentioned, seven sacks. Let's just let's just get to the elephant in the room. The Aztec running game is POS and garbage and terrible. Chance Bell, four carries one yard. Jordan Bird, 11 carries one yard. Mikai Shaw, one carry zero yards. Garrett Fountain, woohoo, one for 27. Their running attack has been abysmal. And this this game was the worst they've had, I believe, all season. Like it was non existent and Jalen Maiden did the best he could, but he was still freaking 19 of 43. Yes, he had 300 yards with three picks. Like Keaton and Kristen got in, the, got in there. I mentioned him running the ball, but he's receiver, obviously, two for 111, that mm. huge 73 yard bomb. Like there was, it, the running game is just garbage. It's terrible. They couldn't do anything. And Maiden is not good enough to win games by himself. And I've kind of said that the past couple weeks about certain times he plays, or also the other quarterbacks too. But you're asking, if you're, if, I should look this up. Maybe I could do a quick sports reference search to find out. But Matt, when's the last time a quarterback has thrown 40 plus times for San Diego State? Is it Ryan Lindley possibly over a decade ago? That's a really good question. I didn't even think to, like, to look at that. For, I just saw 19 of 43. Yeah, three picks. Like, your rush defense was literally amazing. Your rush, your front seven shut down anything Middle Tennessee State wanted to do. Cunningham almost had minus 100 yards on sack yardages. He played. He threw the ball reasonably well, two thirty six. Like he was pretty good in the air. Obviously, he had spread it out to basically Jalen, um, Jalen Lane, and Isaiah Gatings there. But it's like the running attack could do no, could do nothing, and that did them in. I get he had three picks, so Maiden's obviously not to blame. But under fifty percent, and the, here's the funny thing too: they still only lost by two points, despite all that garbage of football they they tried to present to us on Christmas Eve. They still nearly won this game. Had they made a field goal where it was, yes, a kind of a long 43-yarder. They have the dang fumble after one play when Jalen made after they forced a punt where they could have some momentum there. That leads to a touchdown. They they go turnover on downs. They can't get fourth and one. There were so many things wrong in this game. Middle Tennessee State was bad, missing field goals as well. It's like interception leads to a touchdown off of, of Maiden. Like another fumble at the end of the game. They're down two points. They're down two points, man. They get the touchback, or they get the ball. It's like they they get. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Looking wrong. Yeah, they get the ball. Good pass to Matthews. Like that. What this last drive? They get the touchback. First play. All oh, this is amazing. A twenty yarder to to Jesse Matthews. Okay, made and lost it two. Then you get the sack. Incomplete pass. You're sitting at freaking fourth and twenty four to get a twelve yard loss, and it goes to Tyrell Shavers for twelve yards. Fumble recovery, whatever. All that crap happened on that play, but it's like. Dude, you guys are not good offensively. Like this, I don't. This is the worst running running performance I've seen for them in who knows how long. Probably when they had freaking Chuck Long there. And I'm not hype, being hyperbolic about that. I think that's probably the it's the worst running attack they've had in a very, 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 very long time. When like 
And yet, again, we're saying team played poorly offensively. Defense is amazing. They lose by two points. They had a chance to win the game. They blew it off. They couldn't. They got a stupid sack against them. Twelve yard loss. Well, it was sort of like we talked about with with San Jose State in in the Potato Bowl, where it was it was like little mistakes really compounding upon each other as the game progressed. Yeah, snowball. You know, one thing that one thing that you didn't mention is the fact they only got thirteen points out of three red zone trips. I was getting there. We're good. They again, offense not good. So while Sorry. you know Jack Browning had himself you know a very good game. You know what was he three or four? I think on field goal tries, yeah, including a fifty-two yarder. Yeah, forty-three. It's not not a gimme by any stretch, but makeable, especially since like, yeah, the, the passing game was 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 as explosive as we had seen for most of the second half with Maiden under center. So like that was good. The special teams. With particularly Browning was also very good, but you know he and you know Browning and Maiden didn't really get a lot of help around from from the guys around him, other than you know Matthews and Shavers, like you mentioned. Yeah, they it's jewelry isn't a gift you give just once; it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't, if I were a San Diego State fan, I would not be joining the chorus of people looking to fire Hoke. But I, I think it is pretty clear that like, yeah, we've seen a lot of promise in the sort of new direction that the Aztecs have gone in over the second half of the of this season. But it seems pretty clear that, you know, heading into next year, there's still plenty of work to be done. Yeah, defense will be good. Jalen Maiden is still youngish. She's only played half a, what, seven games or something like that. I look at exact numbers, but he played. Yeah, I think he's only going to be a junior next year, if I'm not mistaken. He's played, yeah, I remember. They put him at freaking safety until they had to bring him in because of injuries to Burmeister and Will Haskell, and then Haskell mm-hmm. transferring as well. So quarterback is bright. Like I know this game performance doesn't. It shows. Excuse me. It shows good and bad, obviously for nineteen to forty three, but also through for three hundred plus yards had multiple players involved in the passing game, but the running game just being like. It's, it was just there's no no good no bad word I want to say on here that did not give us explicit warning I could say for how bad it was. You know what I mean? Like it was terrible. It, it, I I've just lost the words for how bad it was. I mean, I do think that some of that has to do with an offensive line that definitely skewed young this year too. That's part of the running and game. So I think it all goes yeah, hand So hand. I think if. If you're looking for upside, I think you know it's important to remember, and we'll probably talk about this more at length later in the spring. I believe the only starter that isn't coming back for 2023 is the center Alama Uwabe, who I believe recently declared for the NFL draft. But you know, other than that, you know, the, you, if you've got four starters coming back and most of the guys that you expect to contribute in the future as far as the running game is concerned. Like I believe Jordan Bird is also graduating, but you know, Keenan Kristen who had the big catch and run off the screen pass, he's coming back. Um, you know, Lucky Avenger is still there. Jalen Armstead is still there. So there's still plenty to build around, but I think they're, you know, coming off of uh, what is probably a vaguely disappointing year. 
like I said, plenty of work to be done. So do you have, who does the box score? Does Bill see the box score expectancy, like win probability after the fact? Uh, he does. I'm guessing he's probably waiting until after all the bowl games have been played. So look at this game here. It's just like the team stats brought over, like first down's about even. Middle Tennessee, middle on third down, MTSU, three of 17. Aztecs also not very good, 416. Mm-hmm. They go from fourth down, which is good, but 204. They average minus 2.2 yards every time they ran the ball, Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. They, they, turnover is obviously a killer in this game. Penalties, we didn't even mention that. Nine for 90 against San Diego State, and Middle Tennessee was whatever, five for 50. Nothing, uh, not good, but not bad, terrible. Like this, Aztecs did so much wrong, but they still had a chance to win this game, which shows there's promise that, as we know. And it's just so unfortunate because what if I said first, if they get a good quarterback, Above average quarterback, which Jalen Maiden is the above average quarterback for what we've seen throughout the year. This game makes results, but still made plays, clearly. Give him actual offseason, spring, and fall camp to focus slowly. They would be literally unstoppable in the conference. However, my assumption, Matt, has to include a an above average, an elite running attack, which was not the case at all this year. It was so un Aztec like. And if again, I'll like if they get a running game going and made it improves 10%, whatever, like we always say, get that small percentage inc- increment increase, they're going to be favorites to win again next year if they find a running game. I guess we'll wait and see. Because if you throw throwing the ball, there's going to be you're going to attract more talent who comes to place to catch the ball. You're not getting elite receivers to go to Academy or Georgia Southern or Kennesaw State or some option oriented school. If you're a run power team like Aztecs are. You finally open up a little bit. Oh, maybe I will go there. Just go to San Diego, one of the most beautiful places, warm weather, great food town to play college football. If I'm a pretty good receiver, I know I'm going to maybe get a stat line that could be like Tyrell Shavers, four for 62 potential every game, peaking at like Jesse Matthews, seven for 99 or something like that. Yeah. And with the, and you know, with, with the early national signing period in the books now, it is worth noting that the Aztecs cleaned up yet again. Mm hmm. So, so that yeah, they're they aren't going anywhere, they're just reloading. Yeah. Anything else to add about this game? You you want to know one more silver lining? What what's that? At least they yep. looked a lot more competitive than Utah State did in the first responder oh. bowl. And this is even before Cooper Legai got knocked out of the game. Yeah, game... just a not a very good performance. 38 to 10 Memphis over the Aggies. Where, where did do you start with this one? They did play three quarterbacks in this game because Levi Williams made an appearance late for some reason. When Utah State decided to, um, yeah, let's uh, call timeouts when we're down by four touchdowns, essentially. Um, I mean, I, I knew it was over when they were punting on Memphis' side of the field oh, down by three touchdowns. I saw that tweet. Like, was it the 40-yard line they're punting after a penalty? Yeah, and it was after recovering a fumble. Here, Here's something I will say that um, – let me let me let me phrase this the right way because this is no reporting involved. This is a gut feeling, but also I know people, so take it for what it's worth. Okay. Um, I would highly doubt Coach Anderson will be around in twenty twenty four for one reason or another. Just interesting. Saying. Whispers. He wants out of town. Okay. I I, I honestly think that's the it's. Not that this game indicates anything for that, but 
there's reasons he doesn't want to be around. And we kind of, we, if you put together a few other news, you should know what we're talking about. But this game itself, like Cooper Legault left the game in early in the second half. But where to start, this first quarter, I'm like, okay, three to three or for three zero, they get the Utah State gets their field goal. I'm like, okay, it's, I, I have to admit, so I was working during this game, so I was half watching and half doing my other stuff. But like, I keep waiting to game TV on our studio, watching the game here and there. And Utah State moves the ball. Okay, seven plays. Okay, three and out, whatever. Not great. Get a field goal. They are they are aggressive. One point, man. You got to give them some credit when it's fourth and one at the fifty, which is weird where they go for it there, but then they don't go for it later on in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like like they're down ten three. Okay, that that was a good move, but they it was a pass that was incomplete. Okay. But their mistakes led to touchdowns. So you have that turnover on downs, touchdown, punt, three and out, 10 play drive, touchdown. It was over 20 at halftime, like this is over, not even close. And well, but, I mean, part, part of, most of the most of the problem was, you know, in the in the first half, you know, there was a, a stretch of time, I would say, from probably the first quarter and at least part of the second quarter, where Utah State's defense was that was putting in a lot of really good work. You know, on on the game they had five sacks and fourteen TFLs. Yeah. You know, Daniel Grzeziak also had that forced fumble, like I mentioned. Exactly. But they were really they were getting after Seth Hennigan and company pretty pretty well. You know, but the problem was for for every havoc play that the Yaggies created, Memphis was able to get a chunk play back themselves, and that was really the difference in this game. You know, I looked at you know Hennigan's. Statline in particular, he was 20 of 29, 284 yards and, and three touchdowns. To me, the, the the number in this game, which really tells you everything you need to know, Tigers pass catchers had over 200 yards after the catch. It's huge. And how many big plays? And at least, and there is a, just this is just a long, 28, 33, 22, 42, 15, 12, and 10. That's just a long yeah, they had, they had 12, lot, lot 12 total chunk plays totaling 291 yards. Utah State's secondary was getting killed on like crossing patterns and, and screens yeah. out of the and swing passes out of the backfield. Where's Ike Larson? Jeez. Also, does not like uh, there's a lot of stuff going like Alpha Edwards getting beat up on the offensive line. There was like the defense played well for parts. Like you mentioned 14 TFLs, that's huge. Defense could have been possibly worse when the defense was playing. Like the running game was fine for Memphis because half of Javon Ducker's yards came on one play, 48 yards. They had 83 total. Mm-hmm. Like they give all the big plays, like so many big rushing and passing plays combined. The running attack was on a per play basis. Okay. Cause Memphis ran the ball 40, or at least this includes obviously Seth Hennigan's scrambles and sacks, whatnot, but 47 rushing plays, 36. If you want to exclude anything Hennigan did, but he did run mm-hmm. a couple of times, at least one for nine. So, so they were still, Third, what 35 for 150? That's still what, five, four yards of carry, four and a half. That's pretty good. I, I should, yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at number, if but... you look at Asa Martin's workload in particular, the Memphis Memphis running back, you know, he had 10 carries with 43 yards. And you think, okay, well, that seems okay, right? Yeah. But a lot of that, but he had he had chunk plays of 15 and 22 yards. Mm-hmm. And other the big than that, that, yeah. Other than that, much. Utah State was really bottling him up. You know, minus one, minus three, minus three, two, zero. Like he, so he got loose a couple of times, but was but was bottled up, you know, just as frequently, if not maybe a little bit more so. But it was those big plays that ultimately buried Utah State in the long run. 
and their offense just couldn't move the ball because when the guy got knocked out, comes in. I was surprised. I'm like, where's the guy Williams? Because he eventually came in, but they brought in Bishop Davenport, mm-hmm. and he had a very bad. At least uh, did he have one or two interceptions? I forget. I'm trying to look at my internet it's slowing down. No, Davenport had one. Williams had one. Legault had one. Okay, the one Davenport threw right in the end zone. Like, who is he throwing to? It looked like he's throwing right to the Memphis player. Like, he ran a perfect yeah. post route in the end zone. Like, boop, got it. I like the replay. I'm like, oh, I see where he's throwing to. The, he was not. He did not see this other guy coming across the field who wasn't like dashing across to run to get it. The ball is a floater, and the guy's kind of stepped over front, stepped in front, just caught it like as his own pass pattern. Mm-hmm. It was he was not good, even though he was seven of nine. But they could not move the ball. But again, and inexplicable as you mentioned, they're down three touchdowns. Recover the fumble, then they don't go for the forty yard line. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, Calvin Tyler still had a solid game, seventy, what, almost eighty yards in this game was okay, mm-hmm. not amazing, but he's fine. No touchdowns, but the play calling was weird at times. Like, you're down big. Like, they call a freaking timeout late in the game. Like, what are you doing? Like, it, it's, it, uh, I don't know, man. It was bad. They, there's too little too late for the two interceptions they had, but they didn't do it. Or no, that's their two picks. My bad. Looking backwards, they scored off the two interceptions. I should say, like they had the one late to go up 38 10. The one of the ends I mentioned, they just, I don't know, man. It just, it just looked outmatched, outplayed. Even if I hate to say it, they they looked a lot like September, Utah State. It's like losing to Weber State, Utah State. Yeah, exactly. Like, I get even Cooper got played, they were down 24 to 3 when he was in the game. Mm-hmm. Defense held zero points in the third quarter. Um, defense kind of got hurt a little bit in this fourth quarter, but apart, remember there's an interception they scored off of right there. Yeah, yeah. Like defense did defense did okay. Like defense wasn't terrible, but again, 38 points in field position. I don't have the exact numbers where that was, but it wasn't great with all the interceptions they had, three in the game. So there's that. It was just defense did it's weird to say defense did okay when they still gave up 38 points. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they had double digit TFLs and multiple sacks. Like this Utah State team just it was just like they were I know bowl games where it's like who wants to be there, who's motivated, who cares? It was freezing cold in Dallas where this game's at the first responders bowl. It just Yeah, I don't know. It just was not a good game. Are there good things to say about them going forward after this game? Like with loss? Well, I mean, it's hard to say because, you know, I think if I remember correctly, I've seen at least one or two Aggies declaring for the NFL draft. So like, you know, guys like Hunter Reynolds are moving on. I believe Brian Cobbs is also moving on. I know Calvin Teller Jr. had already exhausted his eligibility. He's going to be gone next year. So, I mean, they're I mean, they're kind of in the same boat as San Diego State, I guess you might say. Like, they're, they're not at all the same team. But I think they're sort of in that same boat where you don't want to count them out. Just, you know, at first glance, looking ahead to 2023. But there's definitely a lot for them to fix on on both sides of the ball. Like, you know, just tightening up defense, giving up fewer explosive plays. And then maybe more importantly, just finding that consistency on offense. So it looks like you have 10 graduating seniors from this team. Mm -hmm. Does not include transfers. Legal returns, obviously, back. Um, Kyle Van Leeuwen is expected to return. Remember, he's been out since a knee injury for Weber State. Yeah. So you have that. Um, Robert Briggs, who was pretty good as a freshman, like true freshman, 353 yards, 74 carries, because Calvin Tyler Jr. is moving on. You have a couple offensive linemen like uh, Waylon Lapaho, who started all 13 games, so stuff like that. 
Um, all four defense linemen can return if they want to join defense. There's a handful of guys like Ike Larson, obviously, freshman All-American. So there's talent there. Obviously, Reynolds, you mentioned. Was there something um, – you mentioned Cobb, right? You think he Was he on the transfer portal? Is that what you – No, no, no. I, th- I thought he declared for the NFL draft. I might be wrong about that, though. Uh, let's look and see here. But it, I don't know. There's – it's – Yes, he did. The way they play. He, he announced okay. it three hours ago. We're recording this okay. on uh, Tuesday, December 27th. It's currently 9.19 Pacific time at the moment on Tuesday. So he is gone. Uh, like Here's the thing I'd say positive. The way the second half turned around from that poor start after Weber State and Alabama and injuries to quarterback, the, there is positive, look, obviously. There is positive, but we're not just going to bash on him. So there is reason, optimism, reason to be good. But they need to be more consistent next year. Because yeah. obviously this year they started one way than the other way. So it's like, ooh, what's going on here? Poor losses, bad losses to Weber State, stuff like that. So um, yeah, interesting. So anything else to add about this game or bowl season? Because we do have we're gonna add to uh one more game left we'll talk about in a separate podcast here momentarily. Yeah. I think we're uh, I think we're all good. All right, so that's your four bowl recap. Mountain Westwire, MWR.com. Subscribe, tell your friends. Um, go to MWCR on Twitter, what we screwed up on, because typically we screw up on things because who doesn't, right? It's not just uh, – it happens. Never it so happens to everybody, right, Matt? We do it all, right? That's tell right. us what we missed. <laughs> tell us where his Daniels is going to go, please. Let us know because I'm interested. And hopefully your answer is he goes back to Colorado Springs and goes to the Academy. All right, so that'll wrap up for this one. But, yeah, just check us out. Again, we have another podcast coming up, and we'll have plenty more of the offseason because, Matt, we have one game left. That's all on regular season, postseason, bowl season. Oh, man, I, I don't want to think about that. Okay, well, let's end here, and we'll get to talk about that game in a minute.